first or first item, uh, and the Boundary Commission uh, produced their report late last week, uh, and uh, it looks like we're going to have 14 new TDs when we go to the polls next time around. A lot of the constituencies have changed their boundaries as well, uh, and uh, on the line to chat about it uh, is our regular contributor, Sean McKeon. And Sean, nice to talk to you again. Seamus, good to talk to you, and hello to everyone in Roscommon and everyone listening online as well. Uh, thanks a million. Fair play to you. You're, you're great. And over the last couple of weeks, you've been uh, helping us with regards to people who might be looking for a job and interviews. But this week, we're going to change tack. We're going to look at the Boundary Commission review. Uh, overall, what did you make out of it? Um, well, I think there's two things that governed the Boundary Commission or the Electoral Commission to give it its, its new title. Yeah. It's now a standing body that's going to oversee elections in Ireland, led by Art O'Leary, former Chief of Staff to the President. Um, I think there were two considerations. One is that kind of mathematical formula in the Constitution, uh, which we have no control over unless we change it, and that is that there must be a TD for every twenty to 30,000 people in Ireland, and that's based on the census rather than on people on the Electoral Register. Uh, if it were based on people on the elected register, it might be slightly easier because not everyone is on the register, and that, that happens for a variety of reasons as well. Um, the second consideration is the view of a lot of politicians and a lot of public servants and a lot of the electorate themselves that they don't like to see county boundaries breached if possible. That's right, so yeah. It's, it's either an entire county, uh, like Lee Shiroffley, that gets three seats, that, that's a preference, or a, a, a constituency like Cav and Monaghan, which has been together for the best part of 40 years, uh, with some bits of counties added on, on different occasions, that's kind of what the public preference is for, and that's what the preference of politicians is for. And unfortunately, that mathematical formula and the geography don't always match up. That's right, I, think yeah. this, I think on this occasion, with the creation of 14 new seats, I think it's the biggest expansion in about 40 years or so. I think they've done a fairly good job. Uh, you can point to different things here and there, but I think on balance they've done a very good job. And I think the other sign of success is that I think bar Sean Sherlock down um, in Cork, whose town of Mallow has been transferred from one constituency to another, Barr himself, I'm not really aware of any other politicians who are who are unhappy. And I think that's a very good gauge of success. On other occasions, you might have maybe a dozen or half a dozen politicians jumping up and down about their careers. I think on this occasion, there's only Sean Sherlock. And, and, and it's with the entirety of his town moving constituency, it's hard to know how much of that is for effect as much as anything else. Yeah, I, I, that's for sure. Now, here in this uh, neck of the woods, we have Michael Fitzmaurice. A lot of East Galway uh, and a lot of his territory in East Galway was moved back uh, to the actual East Galway constituency, and it's now a four-seater. However, um, I saw Michael uh, Fitzmaurice being quoted on the local media this week, uh, and he says, you know, it was the people of Roscommon who uh, elected me anyway the last time so we'll have to see how that goes in the future but the whole county of Roscommon has been returned uh, into its own constituency it includes a small sliver now uh, of East Galway uh, and of course we have four new constituencies entirely new constituencies as well isn't that right? That's right um, and on, on, in some cases like if you take for instance uh, Tipperary North it, it now Tipperary North has existed in the past um, but Tipperary North exists now because a small bit of Kilkenny has joined it, and I'm, I'm sure that'll cause a lot of humour locally yeah, yeah. Uh, with hurling rivalries, etc. 
Um, I suppose the one kind of genuinely new constituency that we've never seen before historically um, is this um, Wicklow-Wexford. So just for the benefit of listeners, the northern part of County, uh, of County Wicklow um, is, is, is still, uh, it, it remains a four-seater. Uh, now, Wicklow as a county had five seats, and, and all of the five people are based in this new Wicklow four-seater. You have this new creation then in the middle between Wicklow and Wexford called Wicklow-Wexford, and it'll have three seats. And then the southern bit of Wexford is four seats. And again, there are five resident TDs in that area uh, in that part of Wexford that is becoming the four-seater. So that'll create a debt match in Wexford. It'll create a debt match in, in Wicklow. Um, I don't think there's enough of South Wicklow or enough of North Wexford for any of the people uh, to jump ship. Yeah, I know what you mean. don't have a sufficient base in that area. So it creates a very exciting opportunity for uh, former public representatives and current public representatives and aspiring public representatives in, in South Wicklow and North Wexford that they can actually... They, they actually have a very strong chance of getting to the doll because there's no incumbents, because incumbency is a huge asset in elections. Generally, people who have a seat tend to keep it by and large, uh, unless they're really unfortunate or unless they decide to retire. And I think that constituency in particular will benefit Malcolm Byrne. He's a Fianna Fáil senator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very briefly a TD, uh, elected in a by-election in late 2021, uh, lost a seat again, or sorry, in late 2019, lost a seat again in early 2020 in the general election, got into the Senate. I think he's in pole position there uh, to become a TD, but there's two vacant seats after that. So, I mean, that, that's quite exciting. And you can see that in other parts of the country where new seats have been created and there aren't obvious people to fill them. Now, obviously, people will rise up and, uh, you know, there'll be a competitive election and the seats will be filled. But as of now, um, th- there's these kind of open seats and I think that's exciting because it will attract potentially new talent in, in, into politics and that's needed. Absolutely. And the rule of thumb usually is that three-seaters favour the bigger parties while four-seaters and particularly five-seaters uh, would favour the smaller parties and independents. Isn't that right? Yeah, well, I mean, the quote is higher in a, three, in a three-seater um, and, I mean, that that makes it more difficult for smaller parties uh, and, and to some extent, independence, depending on how well established they are, uh, it makes it more difficult for them. Uh, whereas four and indeed five seaters, to be honest, uh, allow for more pure form of PR, and they allow PR to to manifest itself to its maximum extent. And you may have seen Seamus and listeners um, calls for six seater constituencies. Yes, and I heard saw that. Yeah. yeah, and disappointment that the commission didn't do that. The commission can only act within the law. And our electoral acts at the moment don't provide for six-seaters, but um, it's something that the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar has expressed interest in exploring. It's actually a power that this new electoral commission, so it's more than a boundary commission which has stood down after its work. This new electoral commission is going to be a standing body looking at elections, and they're going to do two pieces of research which will go out to public consultation eventually. One is on whether there should be a cap on the number of TDs, um, because I think the public appetite for creating new TDs yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is not hugely high. Um, now, the danger with that is Ireland's population is growing, thankfully, and in this country we do like our public representatives to be as local as possible, and I've mentioned before this desire to keep county boundaries intact. So if our population keeps growing in the way it is, and, and that's something that's really positive, I think eventually this tension about county boundaries versus TD numbers is going to manifest again. Um, but 
there's other considerations as to why the doll shouldn't get any bigger apart from, say, public opinion, which mightn't always be fair. Um, There's logistical considerations in terms of the size of the doll chamber itself and in terms of the Leinster House complex, in terms of office space for these people and for their staff. So those are considerations as well. I suspect that really, I suspect that a doll that goes above, say, 180 to 200 does begin to become unwieldy. I agree with you, Um, yeah. Um, you know, if you look at a situation, the House of Commons is kind of heading, I think, for 700 members. Um, the vast majority of them actually can't fit in the chamber. And particularly at, at moments of high drama... That's right, they're all standing uh, around there. Yeah, and it, and it does it does come across... Now, it's it's maybe empty on a, a lot of other occasions or, or nearly empty, but it, it does lead to a kind of a sense of chaos. And, I mean, you know, I suppose, is that the image you want from your Parliament either? I think that's a legitimate question. Right, and the final thing I'm going to mention there, at the weekend there, there was a poll which suggested that if there was an election uh, this month, uh, Sinn Féin would have 67 seats uh, way ahead of uh, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil. So were, uh, uh, while... 67 would be a long way short of uh, a majority under a situation where we'd have 174 TDs in the doll. Uh, it uh, looks like if Sinn Féin want to get in, they're going to have to go into coalition with probably Fianna Fáil. Um, I mean, look, no votes have been cast, and that's no, the no. thing. You know, but I mean, certainly uh, the, the, there was a poll and there was also analysis done by the Daily Mail, which was broadly similar. Um, I think what what the government parties will take solace from is that despite all of the chat about um, Sinn Féin uh, and and their quite strong poll performances, although they have dropped back, say, from the late or mid-30s now or into the early 30s, but at the same time they're consistently in the 30s, the governing parties will take solace from the fact that their combined total um, is equivalent or slightly better than than Sinn Féin. I suppose Sinn Féin aren't going to be able to do it alone alone based on current figures. And I suppose probably, if you look at the figures and just deal with the figures as they are today, probably the most stable government is going to be a Sinn Féin-Fianna Fáil government. A government that will try and and involve smaller parties of the left will probably be harder to put together and less stable. That's right. Um, If Sinn Féin do as well as is predicted, they'll actually gobble up a lot of the smaller parties because on the last occasion those seats were got with Sinn Féin transfers because there weren't actually enough Sinn Féin candidates. That's right, that's right. Um, So those are challenges. And I think another challenge, um, probably the person in Fianna Fáil who's who's, uh, most positive about a Sinn Féin-Fianna Fáil alliance is Eamon O'Keefe, grandson of Eamon de Valera. That's right. And who feels he's kind of the the keeper of the Republican flame in Ireland. And... um, I suppose he, he, he is quoted in the papers as saying that he would prefer a government, a Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil government, but where Fianna Fáil is the bigger party. And that doesn't seem very likely at the no. moment. So, I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot to play for in this. Um, another thing that poll showed is that the you know, majority of people, or a solid um, minority of them anyway, actually haven't made their mind up. So there is a lot to play for in all of this. And I think the other thing is when votes fall out of the boxes on the day itself, um, you know, you might have heard very strong pronouncements before the election about what people will and won't do, but when the votes fall out on the day and the reality becomes apparent, I think that's when people really engage with with what type of government they're willing to form because the, the numbers will dictate everything. 
Absolutely. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed that. Uh, as you know, I would be a, a political anorak and I really enjoyed that. Uh, uh, that was excellent. Uh, I could chat for another half an hour about it, John, but uh, uh, we have... Uh, objective, yeah. <laughs> so I think Shemus, but thank you very much. We have, we, we have other items to get to, but look, thanks a million for that analysis, uh, and no doubt we'll be talking to you very shortly, and maybe next week. Thank you, Seamus. Thank Bye. you very much, Sean. Uh, excellent stuff there, Sean McKiernan.